Hey everybody, you just heard Jotin from Horacle. And this is uh, In Flames Part 2, Recommendal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. And, and joining us again. Oh, oh, there you go. There she goes. I didn't have to prompt. Yeah. Nope. She, she's definitely, she's got her, uh, the green worked out of her. Yes. Uh, a little bit, maybe. Speaking of green, we've got a nice green Horacle <laughs> cover. Uh, Andreas Marshall. Yeah, we didn't really us again. talk about the the sort of pattern of covers that In Flames starts really with Jester Race with the uh, the whatever is it the Jester face? Can we call it that? What is the that what is the, the name of their album. logo? Yeah, the Jester mask or yeah. something. I I'm think not it's sure. just referred to as the Jester face. Kind of like their their Eddie or their. Uh, Vic. But the, yeah, the funny thing after you know they they debut him. He's now gone on uh, the next record of Oracle. I feel like he's probably somewhere on here. He's, we just can't find him. Yeah, I have not him. seen him, but I haven't looked that hard either. I look, I looked pretty hard <laughs> earlier. I was trying to wear wear Waldo the thing, but uh, but yeah, Andreas Marshall had kind of like a fairly long term. Well, I guess a three record kind of career as being the cover artist of In Flames, but. Um, and he's known I'm, for he did some really great stuff. For, he's in like Sepultura and, and Blind Guardian and oh, it's Obituary. In there, uh, there it it's is. Right there. Uh, uh, that's inside though. It's in the inside. <laughs> and speaking of the inside, we're kind of commenting that. Um, and we, and by the way, we have to. Pre- we love Horacle. It's a great record. Uh, so we're just sort of having some fun with the graphic arts part of Horacle. It's yes, because you know Mark could comment on this because you were a graphic artist. You still are, but you were. You I was were a graphic designer then. Uh, yeah, I'm now just an illustrator. But I still, you can see it's so evident of the trends that were happening as far as topography went and um like people were discovering like even on the back of it they use a uh, force blur which is just a photoshop filter mm-hmm. uh like th- this very obvious digital effects were thrown in embossing logos and all this stuff was be this was just kind of being like thrown out willy-nilly at this point because people were it was easy and you, you didn't have to be a graphic designer to do this stuff on these records well and there's like this really hilarious pattern that was gracing nuclear blast records from like 98 <laughs> in this era yeah. and, and specifically children of Bodom, you know Dima like, Borger Dima used Borger the same stuff like kind of doing the same spiritual stuff. black dimensions use yep. that and stuff it's yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> it's a, an epidemic of graphic artistry in the late you know late but 90s, i think I'm, i think as far as inflamed stuff goes i think i'm more partial to the uh kenneth johansson mm-hmm. uh photography based covers like of lunar strain subterranean than the later on stuff just because it's so uneven yeah like you'll have i think as far like purely aesthetically i think oracle is the best cover out of the bunch yeah as far as like using like color theory correctly and like it's just just nicely composed you know like rule of thirds break up the windows you know all that kind of stuff but everything else is very uneven when we get to clay man it's just kind of like there's a lot (laughs) there's kind of a kitchen sink approach to you know all these sort of things happening so but horacle is is um kind of continues like sound wise what you heard on you know Jotun there uh which is a, the what'd you say the frost uh, the, is it the is frost, it frost trolls giant? frost giants is that what uh norse norse giants norse some kind of norse yeah, giant, giant. Type thing. they're probably related to the frost giants yeah we'll just like say for, for our for our sake yeah they're they're related to frost giants and thor and other good oh, yeah. stuff um but this record came out when i was a freshman in college so i'm kind of pretty endeared to it because i don't know that's just a a time in your life like living in the dorms you know sure. kind of things like this record and like discovering who you are as a sin piccato as from moon spell as strange ah. as that might be you know just like there's like a few records that were coming out that like i just i kind of remember listening in my dorm room a lot and this is one of them and um you know i think jotun is like this just like stand ablaze and just like behind space and just like moon shield is this classic like album opener you know i think they've been always really good at a solid yeah you know, really grab you in fact yeah. i'm pretty sure all the way up through clayman uh starting from lunar strain we are going to be doing um 
album openers from every record yeah. you know including yeah. bullet ride from from clayman and stuff like that which mm-hmm. you know so i mean it, it's they they know how to start a show you know like sure. to really get it, mm-hmm. kind of things moving and stuff and um catch your attention and this continues i guess the melodicism that you heard on jester's race uh you know the same kind of thing but um i think they open up some different kinds of influences here that you'll you'll hear um but you know vocally especially yeah we're going like actually a little bit of the you know, not Beauty and the Beast vocals, but you know, more clean to I get you know I guess more of a hardcore influence to some degree. Just yeah, to, or maybe just like going back to more like a thrash kind of influence, like some gang vocals, kind of and gang stuff like vo- that vocal sing along. And, and Monica and I were struggling earlier to come up with like a way to like describe that type of vocals that you'll hear like in mm-hmm. uh, Coerce Coexistence, which we'll be playing a little bit later. And we kind of came up with what like chant vocals, like chant chant show. Yeah, which kind of comes from like the Anthrax camp, you know, the mm-hmm. Exodus camp, you know, that, that New York sort of, hardcore based stuff. Yeah, for yeah. sure, it's there. So, um, and I remember they opened up the whole show the first time we saw them with this song, Jotun. That was mm-hmm. like their whole like set opener. I mean, I don't think they do that anymore because it was the era in which we saw them. But I'm surprised um, if they play much of anything off this record anymore. Yeah, I know episode six 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 is kind of like one of their standard songs, and that's mm-hmm. kind of probably the only song they play off this record anymore, which yeah. is kind of too it's bad. A great song. You know? Um, yeah. And well, this is the last, uh, you know, record with, uh, with Glenn, you know, one of the, fo- you know, early founding members of the, of the band. And, um, this is the last record where there's that kind of like the, it's after this record, you don't hear, there's like an undefinable Glenn sound that he brings to this weird kind of, and, and it actually goes into, uh, Dimension Zero, mm-hmm. which, which he continues up until what was the last record? Um, I can't. 2007. I, it was like I can never remember the song. For he who, album titles for the, some kind of weed or whatever. But they put out like four records. I think mm-hmm. real, real solid stuff. But so this is like the last kind of like golden age in flames before they kind of transition to what they'd later become with this more I, Cornish new metalish well, vibe I, I, or whatever. I, I, I think you can throw the Cornish kind of thing in there. But I think what you brought up with Glenn is this weird essential element. I think he's like the last anchor of harshness that's there he's Mm -hmm. the last anchor of death metal maybe you know and i think that's the major criticism that you start to get into with this era of in flames is whether or not they could even be considered in the camp of melodic death metal or are they just melodic metal with some level of harshness to their vocals and so it's it really does get questionable especially after horacle um i mean even horacle is probably up for debate to some extent but i think a song like episode 666 is very it's way more in your face than anything you're going to hear on colony or clay man you know it's just it's very like immediate and very like you know it's not just punchy and catchy but it's like got a little bit of an edge to it and that must be the glenn element because when you hear the stuff he does for like dimension zero dimension zero is very harsh it's very eucharist taking the melodicism well there's melodicism there but it's like it's it's barbaric and in your face and mm-hmm. harsh. It's got some death angular. metal to it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, would you, would you agree that like from everything gets a lot warmer on colony forward, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's, it's a warmer tone to it. It's just, and there's nothing wrong with that. Cause it works really, really well in colony, but sure. I feel like colony is that weird tipping point of like, how much warmer can you get before you either repeat the same thing mm-hmm. and just make colony part two, or you have to actually start, going into a more commercial area where you get into like things like pinball map and you get like these attempts at 
I don't know what what you well, would call Well, there's more them. more traditional songwriting happening, but also Frieden has done uh, on Horacle. He engineered or co-engineered and co-produced or co-mixed the records. Yeah. So I think you're really seeing his influence come into this stuff as far as the songwriting aesthetics and um, more anthemic, even to a different degree, more vocally anthemic than than musically anthemic. Yeah. I think that's you know? maybe what what it is, and you you'll hear that in like you know episode six 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 and in Gyroscope these like. There's vocal hooks, Lumbering which we didn't really hooks. have. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, and I mean, even in like Moonshield, which we heard in the last part, uh, part one of this, you know, like there are some vocal hooks, but they're, it, it's like they're, they're attempting to come out of the cocoon. It's kind of the start. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this just sort of picks up on it a lot more. That's what, yeah. The first record, I think we're really like, we're guitar and vocals, like they're on an even playing field. Yeah. Like they're both just equally as important to one another. And where do you, I mean, where do you guys think that all this you know, you hear so much harsh criticism. I mean, of, of this band, they're almost like I'd almost put them in the same camp as like Cradle of Filth. You know, Cradle of Filth has mm-hmm. people that really like us that would probably defend their first like three or four records pretty well, three solidly. Yeah, yeah three solidly. I, I would defend Cruelty and the Beast, which is mm-hmm. like, well, I guess that's their third full length. So, you yeah, know, Vampire the EP. At least so Midian was decent, but yeah, but I think I think In Flames is much more of a interesting band as far as they've. They're they're not a one trick pony. Like Cradle of Filth is what you see is what you get. You hear mm-hmm. um, Dusk and Her or what was the first record? Principle of Evil Made Flesh. That you hear that record. That's the template for everything they'll do in their entire career. It just gets more bombastic or symphonic. Pompous. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, that's what they are. They're yeah. like, okay, scream, scream, scream. Do some kind of interlude with some spoken word. They've never really anything that was on that record. They've never deviated too much from it. Sure. In Flames have wildly deviated. Although so is bands like you know Catatonia, but Catatonia have been more I think artful about it and not as commercially driven as as it seems that, that In Flames are. Their choices made more sense. Yeah, what Catatonia did. Sure. Sometimes the choices In Flames made to the extreme metal crowd seemed like kind of like question mark. Like what? Like why? Why would you go that route? You know, like. You could go this way, but you went that way. Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, because not, not being not because I'm like, oh, I like them when they're harsh and death metal. I think their new stuff's you know stupid and retarded or whatever. I just think like I can I can stand back and say like objectively, even if it's like poppy and kind of goofy, I can still say it's good. Yeah, like but some of the new stuff is not good. Like it's really fifty fifty, like almost like pandering to a certain demographic mm-hmm. uh right. some of it i think is, is is inspired and i i can get behind it but a lot of it is just like i i don't know i just don't think they're they're really firing all cylinders anymore and, like and what they need like a, a punch in the arm i'm kind of a rare case because i came in on Clayman and i was very aware of that in the underground metal community it was a pretty controversial album but i really liked it because that was my first exposure to it but i've personally pretty much written them off reroute to remain and on because i don't like that commercially driven aspect they've taken i mean mm-hmm. 2005 i was reading this earlier they toured with bands like soulfly and you know stuff like that so it's just kind of you get that you know it the i don't want to say lack of artistic integrity because you can do whatever you want but it's such a big change yeah. from my favorite part of that band the funny thing is the new soulfly record is actually good I, you know i think i heard that somewhere really? i don't know if i believe that huh. but no i've heard it You've heard, really? Yeah, and I hate Soulfly. I've hate everything they've ever done. And like, <laughs> I, I was reading an interview with him. Not to go completely off track here, but uh, um, he was listening to a bunch. What the hell's a uh, singer's name? Max Kevlar. Max Kevlar. Yeah. 
he was listening to a bunch of Morbid Angel and like Massacre and that era stuff. So it's like really, it's like old Sepultura. It's wow. good. Nice. So, and I mean, back to the roots a little bit. Certainly. Yeah. Max has the talent to pull it off. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like he was, ne- yeah. it was never a doubt of like, this is the wrong guy to like, it was just, he was way more into the whole new metal shit, you know, which made yeah. him be much more successful doing that, say, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to begrudge him for doing that, but it's cool to see a band that I hated to go like three. It's almost like the anti in flames to yeah. where you know, they started out great and they progressively gotten less and less interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And then a band that I hated from the get go to flip around the other way and actually become interesting kind of at a certain point. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I don't know what it is, you know, like, because I think it's a really great career move to go on tour with Soulfly. You know what I mean? Like, sure. if you yeah, want to expose definitely. yourself and sell some more records and things, and it's just... Well, like uh, the, the recent, uh, me and Monica just saw Mastodon, Opeth, and Ghost. Yeah. Which, when you say those three bands together, it's like, that seems like a weird fucking lineup, but... It was great. It's perfect. Yeah. Ghost, you know, is this band that has a lot of like buzz around it right now. Nobody really knows and much about them. They're getting a lot more exposure and, because yeah. of this tour. And then Mastodon uh, appeals more to mainstream, but yet Opeth has just as much exposure, but two different crowds. And then you bring those two together, and it's yeah, like, exactly. okay, this is what we need to see tours being like now. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got some prog people, some traditional metal people, some yeah. little extreme. There's metal like this people. 50 year old guy screaming Opeth behind us, yeah. and then a bunch yeah. of you know kids. <laughs> and these kids are watching Ghost and just going, "Oh my god, what is this? This yeah. is amazing!" Yeah. And yeah. then they're like tweeting about it and posting <laughs> Instagram photos, like you know. That was the first time I got to see Ghost, and I was just like a little kid. I was just giggly. I'm like, oh my god, this is the best show ever. For having, yeah, having one record out, they've yeah. managed to like, okay, we got, you know, because they're on Rise Above, so like, you know, me and Jason and a handful of other people knew who they were right at the get-go. And yeah. then the next year, there's this another crowd. The next year after that, you know, this is almost going on, what, almost like it's... It's like two and a half years. Two and a half years, so we've got like, you know, the Pitchfork crowd is starting to come around to like... Yeah. this ghost band mm-hmm. it's weird how they've got like this huge grasp of well, people and monica got to be They're part so of uh, you got to be part of our, our thanksgiving ghost <laughs> celebration uh we had a big thanksgiving <laughs> meal here like two years ago and we were doing like ghost karaoke and like all kinds yeah. of crazy with, stuff with a five-year-old with a five-year-old and a norwegian yeah. and a yes, norwegian i mean uh, you can ask for <laughs> for more you know it, it was a, a it, ghost is a kind of band that brings everybody together exactly. yeah and speaking of ghosts in sweden in flames <laughs> <laughs> so um, focus yeah and so we've got a, a nice variety of different songs coming up here from horacle i think that's what i like the most about horacle it's it like jester race it's this great variety of different mm-hmm. types of songs everywhere you know um jotun is a little bit more like punchy in your face which we just heard gyroscope which we're going to hear has some of these acoustic parts it's kind of the moon shield which is this mm-hmm. template that mm-hmm. they create on each record a kind of a, a moon shield type song but it's also got these really great uh kind of guitar swaggery back-to-back solo stuff happening near the yeah. end that we were kind of commenting I on. I think that's the that's the Glenn factor, is yeah. that the if you go back and like you hear that swagger, after Oracle, it's not there anymore. Yeah, it's and more I, I have a feeling that he was like the swagger part of the <laughs> yeah. of the equation, but but Gyroscope also has like some really great like vocal stuff happening, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And You're talking about all these, you know, all this variety, it's interesting you say that because they're telling a story. Mm-hmm. Literally, they Oh, yeah, are, you were saying that this it, is a... It's a concept album. And what's yeah. what's the basic concept? The basic, you know, he seems to be this kind of philosophical guy, and so it's just his kind of take on on humanity's direction. So I know that like Jotun, the inevitability of like we're going to kill her, we're going to destroy ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. In with Jotun, you know the uh, the giants. He's basically talking about our, you know, the big buildings that we construct and everything that Corporations we do to and environmental in. destruction. Exactly. Yeah. And then episode, and I guess 
around like the jester, you know, the hive, uh, we've reached this sort of like utopia, I guess, like utopia, and then we ruin it, and that's uh, episode six 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 is kind of the rapture, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's his kind of concept. I mean, that's loose interpretation, you know. Yeah, but yeah, and I don't think they sold this as a hard concept record you know no, but it's it cool that there's a, the yeah, a pattern though. there yeah so and then musically it's the same thing it, mm-hmm. it varies to tell the story yeah, yeah. and I, i've never really delved too deeply into frieden's lyrics uh you i know you can't really read them on that he's, <laughs> yeah there's 1990 unless you can Fox. read uh children bodum <laughs> logo or uh, style text but yeah like like what lyrics st- i don't follow lyrics so much so when they they stand out to me when they're terrible and these are not terrible, so I, I let them, mm-hmm. you know, I let them go. But you know, there's band, like Paradise Lost is one of those bands that I, I think Nick Holmes is a brilliant mm-hmm. lyricist. He's very, he does his own. He's not really too philosophical about anything. He doesn't really have any kind of like grand idea outside of just like misery yeah. behind everything. But he's, he has a really good be able to like, same like with, turn a phrase. Same with Jonas from Catatonia. It's sure. kind of like misery yeah. and somberness. And you can kind of all relate to it. It's a human element. Yeah. Know? So... But yeah, like I mean, even like a song like after we play Gyroscope, we have uh, one of the two instrumentals we're going to play Dialogue with Stars, and that tells a story musically. You know, mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. this is probably like you said the uh, the triumph before the fall of humanity. Yeah. You know, it's very uplifting kind of tune. And, the peak uh, of utopia. I, I was telling these guys a funny story. I did a uh, an English two hundred one or English one hundred one class I had as a freshman in college. I did a presentation on mixtapes to my class. Mixtapes. This dates me a little bit. Not mixed what year CDs. Was this? 97, 98, yeah. Okay, so, that was still yeah. when they existed. Yeah, you could go so. buy a TDK 90-minute tape. Yes, you could. And, uh, and I played some samples of some different things and made an actual mix for my professor who was this, like, middle-aged, like, kind of woman. Kind of nothing, nothing metal about her at all. Yeah. Trust me, like, you know, glasses and short hair and, you know, just, like, you're... Not <laughs> just that average, like, your perception of, like, what a 40-year-old, like, just woman who's unmarried probably looks like yeah. you know just like yeah. living their thing or whatever and she loved Dialogue with Stars she just said she worked out to it all the time and stuff <laughs> and then we transitioned to the aforementioned episode 666 which is a little bit more harsher less triumphant definitely darker more in your face has a great like kind of almost like Catatonia Brave Murder Day minor breakdown in it which is kind of yeah pretty hip and then we'll sort of close out uh, with the, the Horacle record with the title track Horacle which is a nice way that the record kind of ends on a Calm after the storm, maybe post-apocalyptic kind of dust settling vibe. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's I would well definitely say it's um, it's, it's sad. You yeah, know? it's it's despondent. I think, and uh, I really like the use of because it's pretty much an instrumental. But we were saying Some it's got that female vocals, kind yeah, of working that in. kind of harmonize it, and it kind of gives it that depressing sort but, of. But yeah, there's no like, lyrics. It's just the yeah, it's like the, the human, feeling, the, the, the vocal instrument, yeah. kind of working. Haunting, that's perfect. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was looking for. And then we'll close out with our first uh, song from Colony. Uh, which includes a nice little Weezer breakdown that we'll talk about when we come back, and that's uh, Zombie Ink. Enjoy. Not to be confused with Cadaver Ink. Yeah.
Zombie Incorporated, Horacle, episode 666, Dialogue with Stars, and then we started things off with uh, Gyroscope and uh, the, the vast majority of Or that, Gyroscope, depending gyros- on how yeah, you It could have been Gyroscope, yeah, <laughs> uh, from the Horacle record. And I guess we should mention alongside the Horacle record was a uh, a nice little single that... Well, that's from Just Race, dude. Was it? Yeah. It must have come out after it because it had Gyroscope on it. 
and it had yeah uh, it came out after it okay so it was the bridge because it still has the the just raise artwork but they oh, took off half true. of the little well it was 97 tank. so it was in between because yeah. this was 97 as well <laughs> i want to say yeah. yeah that was beautiful oh yeah. Uh, yeah both 97 so i guess it was right before the kind of precursor to horacle but it was the nuclear blast was doing the shaped discs and it's in the shape of the jester face uh, much like the hypocrisy turkey, chicken, chicken, yeah, and, and there was the, the uh, dissection, uh, the where day day fly, yeah. yeah, yeah. I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, we can oh, show you. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and in in our interim, in between uh, periods, we took a, a brief food break, and we were graced <laughs> so so wonderfully with uh, once again that metal show's brilliance. Um, I'm sure some the of the definitive are, top five list. Of the best albums of the past century, uh, the 2000s. And in case you didn't know, it was uh, Hatebreed, Perseverance, uh, Buck Cherry, <laughs> some bullshit uh, thing, uh, Exodus, Temple of the Damned, Anthrax, Worship Them. Worship music. Worship Him, or music. Worship, worship Him, him Worship Him, Samael, yeah. Sorry, uh, which is actually a great record. And then, but I don't know, top five of the century. And what was the. I don't know, top five of the. What was year? number one? Uh, I just forgot. Number one was uh, except oh blood, blood of blood nations. nations. Yeah. yeah, in case you didn't know that, yeah. you know, because <clears throat> I'm sure you were all thinking except blood of nations was the best album of the past twelve years. Yeah. So, so there you go. We're here to bring you just pure knowledge, just like that metal show. <laughs> uh, so that that thoroughly got. Under we do not have Michael Shanker here. But, yeah. You know, yeah. Whatever. That, that thoroughly boiled their blood a little bit. Um, Colony though, this is a kind of a big deal record. I think kind of for I think I think the three of us can all agree that this is you know the last big deal record for all three of us that all three of us kind of really yeah. got into. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's the last like good start to finish. Yeah, yeah. in Flames where there wasn't any like eh, iffiness, questionable moments. It. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, now that Glenn's gone, it's it's a higher level of melodicism, but. Even so, like a song like Zombie Inc., which has the, the sort of Weezer breakdown, the kind of weird, like, say it ain't so kind of acoustic kind of interlude, which leads into a pretty badass solo. I mean, just oh, yeah. a lot of soulfulness yeah. and, and different things kind of happening there. Well, Colony is um, kind of the big disruption of what was kind of the core, uh, you know, Inflames lineup. I mean, we've got Yarn going from drums to guitar at this point. And they brought in Daniel from Sacrilege, right? Yep, Daniel Spenson comes over on, on the drums, then uh, Peter Iwer's. Which apparently didn't really do anything yeah. that we could find. Um, Other than being the, the brother of, of Andrews Hours Andrews from Tiamat. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, Glenn exits and um, forms Dimension Zero at this point as well. Yeah. And uh, okay, I, th- I, f- I feel like Colony on a bigger... Colony, to me, felt like the biggest in Flames record at the time. Like, it just... It felt like everybody I knew was into this record. But maybe it was just within our, our group of friends. But it just seemed like it attained a... a huge mainstream kind of status that mm-hmm. to me it was the first time they came over and toured America which was mm-hmm. was a big deal yeah um, there was just a lot of things kind of happening around that record you know um, this, this, this is your record. era right Isn't yeah this... and I think this was the record when they came and they played like Milwaukee Metal Fest and stuff like that so they had some exposure to people who were into all sorts of different genres too yeah yeah and they were touring with Nevermore on the Dead Hearts mm-hmm. uh, kind um, of tour which I think was what 99 2000 the same era as Colony yeah, yeah, okay. pretty much. Colony's ninety nine. Yes, yeah, because I had it in Italy. Yeah, yeah, and I went over to Italy in January two thousand, and so it was one of the select albums that I had 
pre iPods for the six months that I was stuck there. So I was yeah. really endeared to it. I was telling Monica earlier. I just remember when I hear a lot of these songs, it just reminds me of like walking medieval streets with like the discman, you know, like <laughs> kind of funny. I, I love those albums that have those moments where you listen to it and you just think of this special time in your life that mm-hmm. you associate that music with. It's yeah. Nice. yeah. Mine was, I was working at a gas station. <laughs> That's when I would come in. <laughs> yeah. But, but the best part of when Mark was working at that gas station is you would go in and it was the metal gas station. Like everyone. I'd be playing it over the, over the speakers. I'd be playing metal stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. It was, it'd be like that, like primordial, some Paradise Lost, Blind Guardian, uh, Blind Guardian. Oh, yeah. uh, there was a lot of that was, was a lot a, of sentenced and stuff at that yep. point too. Yeah, that was a cool era for sure. <laughs> this, this, this was me waiting, cannot being able to wait to get out of high school so I can go home and sit on my computer and see what had downloaded the night before on my uh, phone line. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we, we were kind of debating, uh, talking about that um, when we went to go pick up the food for our, our food break we we just mentioned, and yeah, I was saying you know with you and I at that time were kind of part of the record store contingency. And Mm -hmm. so downloading was like strange to us, you know, it almost like felt like counterproductive. Like we were putting ourselves out of business or whatever, but this generation iPod till 2005. Well, yeah, but there was, but even like, yeah, MP3 players and different things, but like your generation, which was just below us, like that was a big, component of how you guys that was your tape trading you know yeah, that's, yeah, how you exactly. guys kind of that's how i discovered all this music was napster and audio Ga- i love audio galaxy yeah audio galaxy that was one of the coolest websites because it was kind of like you went on there and you would download music and you could not become friends with people but it was almost this social networking thing where people could send you files based on what you liked as well yeah okay it's a really cool idea so kind of like tape trading in a sense yeah, then, which exactly. is cool Yep. You know, and I said the, the great hypocrisy of our elitist attitudes towards downloading is we did everything in our power to not have to pay for records by getting promos. So, so we weren't. But we we gave a service back. Yeah, we either yeah. did reviews or sure, you know, sure. there's. But some, we felt justified that we would we didn't want to spend money if we didn't have to. Oh, at absolutely. All, you know, I so still feel that way. There's there's a hilarity to physical that. Physical promos are. And for the record, I did go to my local record store she and did. order she the yes. the albums. From so the, you were just sampling them to see yes. if it's something you like. And then exactly, but uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, this is a this is a changing. You know, metal is very much changing by the late '90s, early 2000s, and I think for, for you know, love them or hate them, In Flames were on the cusp of this, along with Opeth, I think, and I think there were a few other European metal bands that kind of got caught in this wave, and I think have taken some. Opeth, not, Marth. You could throw in that maybe amount of Marth. Um, they're just these these Meshuga, mm-hmm. you know. It was a time when Meshuga was touring with Tool, you know, yep. and things like that. And so there were these it Swedish, you know, not Swedish, but just it European metal bands that somehow got this like opportunity to become big here. And I think those bands often get slagged or punished for it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, in a way. And I think the other thing that works against you know in flames in this era is this is as we mentioned before the rise of metalcore. You know, metalcore like from about like ninety eight, ninety nine up through like two thousand two, two thousand three, just became yeah. this force. You know, oh yeah. Um, and a lot of the template was on the back of of in you know on the back of excuse me at the gates, but to some extent there were these these in flames ish kind of moments of melodic catchiness that was built into some of the breakdowns or whatever. That I think in flames is one of the one of the bands that you know kind of came from that the genre that kind of helped really kind of create what metalcore was in its core but actually embraced what the other but you know what that metalcore kind of audience or uh those groups actually did and incorporated in their own music mm-hmm. which was kind of nobody else is really 
doing that at the time. But do you think that like, they seem to embrace that culture wholeheartedly? But I mean, I guess, do you think that that's maybe one of the reasons why Inflames kind of became so controversial around this time of Colony, and that people were holding that against them, that they were inspiring this whole like new wave of you know second wave of American metal that was going on you know, with I, Shadows Fall and all that kind of stuff, yeah, or. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of those Swedish bands that started out, you know, um, Arch Enemy and Soil Working and Flames, they have all of these great albums leading up until their fourth, fifth album, and then start getting a lot of exposure, and then start, like, scaling back. And I, I mean, I don't want to say dumb it down, but, you know... We can. It, the Haunted did it as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Haunted put out, like, three good, really good records, and then yeah. it was... Because it's frustrating, and then you just want to say fuck you to all of these bands because you're like, no, I, I, I want to keep listening to that stuff that made you popular to begin with. Yeah. You know? Another band we were talking about earlier that was like of the same ilk, they kind of made that same pattern, was like a soil work. You know, soil work, yeah. those first couple records had some nice like carcassisms mixed with the melodic death metal. Yeah, up until um, was it Steel Bath Suicide, Predator's well, Portrait. Predator's Portrait was the, was the third one, yeah. and that's when like they just, you could tell like vocally they were starting to like spread out a little bit and test the waters but he didn't have the vocal ability to actually do it yeah and it's the same thing that like pinball map will will do like on clayman where you're like oh i don't know if i really like where he's going some, with this vocal cringe, approach cringe moments cringe moments yeah. for sure and i don't you know? yeah i don't know but Darcy and people even for... did it on projector but then they they were smart enough to pull back and and go in a different direction yeah and i'm, I'm yeah. not gonna begrudge anybody for experimenting with new stuff but you know i think people should push their boundaries of what they can do as you know as artists but if you're a death metal singer and you can't sing, don't try to sing. Be a death metal vocalist. That's the biggest complaint. Yeah. You can like you know experiment more in your music, but if you can't if you can't sing well, why you know make me sit through your excruciating record? Yeah. Well, what about just like a level of self awareness? Because there's you know we're kind of cutting it off at Clayman here, but you talk about Reroute to Remain and all of the latter uh, In Flames albums, and there are cringeworthy Jonathan Davis whiny moments yeah. on all of these albums and it's oh, just it gets like, more and more pervasive as they go yeah exactly you would just hope that maybe somebody would be you know self-aware enough to be like eh, i don't want to sound like that when i used to sound like this yeah but, and i mean maybe you know so, some of the people you know some of you guys that are listening to us you know if you have some insight i guess in terms of like this later era or some kind of justification for for what in flames is doing because maybe you're even younger than the three of us and, and you came in on soundtrack to your escape or whatever you know like i I get that because they might have been one of the only swedish metal bands you ever saw live because they were playing these aforementioned festivals and things like that so it could have been a different kind of gateway for you at a different era and you know is what it is exactly the difference between like maybe you and i you know you came in right at the beginning i came in clayman so i still like clayman sure but i understandably have a hard time stomaching and appreciating a lot of their their latter stuff yeah and we were talking about it in the car ride over or to get the pizza, like about Machine Head and like Fear Factory and how like mm-hmm. that's something like her and I can kind of agree on those early records. But you even go a little further with Fear Factory and Machine yeah. Head than I'm comfortable with. And then for you and Chris, you guys had put them into a, a camp that I would probably argue they don't really belong in. But in your mind, I understand why you put them in that camp because mm-hmm. they, they, you just were like. This is all happy in America, and it was like a blob, you know. Mm-hmm. You weren't well, like some, you weren't really like looking at certain because you were more interested in the European stuff at that point. Yeah, and I wasn't interested really in what they had to offer. Exactly, you like know? Machine Head, I think has, has gained more validity in my mind in recent years because they can they've kind of brought back thrash, but with a new kind of edge to it. Yeah, but yeah. some of that early stuff, I just 
I, well, I it was it was more it. like chunky Pantera kind of stuff, which yeah. you and Chris were pretty much done with after Vulgar, you know. And like, oh, sure. You know, and, yeah. and and I get that, you know. Whereas like I remember being a freshman in high school and going and buying Far Beyond Driven the first week it came out and being so like because I was a freshman in high school that was a heavy fucking record in mm-hmm. ninth grade you know and that was like number one on Billboard which was kind of a big deal at the time sure. for a record that heavy but yeah so I guess it, it you know that's the weird part about a band like In Flames that you know there's going to be the people like Mark and I who came in on the Lunar Strain kind of stuff and then like quickly kind of start to, start to fall away by Colony Clayman era and maybe people who came in, like you said, more in the mid period, and then there's probably people that have come in in this sort of later period, you know. But I mean, I don't know. Like I, I still love Colony. You know, I, like you said, it's a solid record from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not like a dud on here. You know, and there's not really a cringe-worthy moment that I, I can think of. When it comes down to it, though, is if I were to show somebody else in Flames, I wouldn't choose to show them something off of Clayman or maybe even Colony. I would probably choose to show them something off of Just Race or Horacle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I guess it depends on their metal pedigree. If they were like kind of leery of, of like extreme yeah. metal, I might throw out the embodying the invisible or the zombie ink or something like that. Yeah. That has like a lot of catchy moments and it's not too threatening, you know. Um, they are very good for that. They are definitely one of those gateway bands. Like you can always go backwards with them. So like you're saying, you know, probably especially these younger kids, because right now their demographic is like 14 to 18 year olds mm-hmm. for the most part, I think. So, you know, their music is... <laughs> it should be unfortunate when you're like, you know, in your early 40s. Yeah, that you're trying, <laughs> trying to really mass appeal like 15, 16 year olds. Yeah. But, you know, if then they can go, oh, this band is so great. And then, you know, segue into stuff like Just Erase and Horror and just get you know like a variety and hear some things that they've never heard before and you know maybe sure. been exposed to before and maybe trade in your uh the devil wears prada and white <laughs> chapel cds for yeah. an older inflamed cd perhaps i wonder what the guys on that metal show think about modern day inflames but they uh-huh. i bet i bet jim florentine's a fan <laughs> <laughs> and that's that, that's enough street cred you know um there but um yeah so kind of getting back i guess into some of the colony stuff i think Two, this is also like, um, I feel like at this point, and you and I were sort of, Monica and I were chatting about this. I think, Mark, you were downstairs uh, getting something about how I really feel like In Flames starts to get into competition with Arch Enemy in the early 2000s, kind of for mm-hmm. like commerciality, but also like outdoing each other with some of the guitar, guitar work and stuff. Yeah. And Colony is sure. like a great example of like, they're sort of going up against what in- Arch Enemy is about to release, which is Wages of Sin, which is kind of the. I don't want to say comeback record, but it really re-announced Arch Enemy in a more well, commercial way. Yeah, new vocalist. You know, the the. Mm-hmm. I guess at that point it was kind of like a novelty for there to mm-hmm. actually be uh, an oh, attractive female was. vocalist that yeah. was actually did, singing death metal and not yes. like being like. But I think the music was pretty reinvigorated as well. Like, oh they sure, seem, they seem like more like committed to it rather than mm-hmm. kind of like this post carcass project. And, and which definitely is what, a bit yeah. show offy for sure. Mm-hmm. They were flashy. They, were, they wanted yeah. to show their chops. Oh yeah, yeah. To everybody. Yeah, Mike and Chris, they definitely. The Amad they, brothers, they you know, know how to guitar wank. Yeah, for they sure. do. They do. So, but uh, so I think this is all kind of going on in that era, and so it's a weird, you know, weird time, you know. But uh, so we've got another great album kicker offer, uh, which is Embodying the Invisible, uh, and then another instrumental, which uh, Paller Anders Visa, and, and you said it. Uh, what did we kind of I come up it with? Translates to uh, Anders the Thief. Anders the Thief. I think you said. Okay. Yeah. So uh, isn't like some kind of like like I think it's built on art. a traditional folk kind of thing, like a, right? It's like yeah, some sort of like Swedish. You know, yeah, yeah ballad, and then this will go into coerced coexistence, uh, which is a 
kind of has a cool thrashy solo in it, um, more thrashy than most of the other stuff going on on Colony. And then we'll sort of end with uh, Inseped 2000, at least for the, the Colony record. And Inseped 2000 is kind of a, just a personal favorite. And I was telling you that what I think they achieve really well, better than a lot of bands, is, um, what did I say, an immediate momentum. Uh, I, I termed it really well. It was like a... Oh. They, they just have this like really nice momentum to a lot of their songs. That's that's very condensed used, and but... and uh, I don't know. There's something about the first half of Inception 2000 that's really punchy. It really grabs and catchy you. and, and kind of grabs you. And that's something they're really good at. They do it in Bullet Ride. They do it in other mm-hmm. kind of mid era in Flames kind of stuff. And then we're going to transition into uh, the the beginning of you know some Clayman stuff with uh, Brush the Dust Away, Swim, and Bullet Ride. And we'll uh, we can kind of chat a little bit more about Clayman and kind of how we how we close the the doors for, mm-hmm. for in Flames yep. when we come back. So enjoy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
Close your eyes and 
That was Bullet Ride, Swim, and Brush the Dust Away from Clayman. And then before that, we had Incepid 2000, Course, Coexistence, Paler Anders Visa, and we started with Embody the Invisible. Isn't Incepid 2000, isn't that like Rob Zombie's brother's band? <laughs> Power Man 5000. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's interesting you, you mentioned like kind of some of those... You know, there are kind of white zombieism, electronic, uh, experimental sort of things starting to like filter into the music on that song in particular, but the kind of throughout uh, the totality of what Inflames is going to do. As they, you know, as we were sort of saying, Inflames with Clayman and stuff is starting to become more and more Americanized, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, yeah. More interested in appealing to more the American crowd rather than fitting like into the Euro metal crowd. Well, you know. yeah, rhythm more rhythmic based than say like melodic, yeah. or harmony based like they were before. Yeah, and I was, you know, we were talking before, and I mean, this might be an off kind of off base comment, but I think in this they were really thinking about rhythmic stuff in the sense that like way Mashuga was thinking about it, and maybe they were modeling the success that Mashuga was starting to have over in America off of hey, we need to like sell that part more to. I guess a hip hop sized America in the early two thousands. You know, Slipknot was very rhythmic and was yeah. like all about mm-hmm. beats and percussions. I mean, even to some extent, like, and I do enjoy certain eras of System of a Down, but they do have also a, a rhythmic kind of uh, thing going for them too. You know, that they seem to sell that more than mm-hmm. more than the European like soloing like twin leads, and mm-hmm. that's very much a British. You know, like. You know, new wave of British heavy metal, sure. you know, Teutonic kind of thing going, and, and they kind of start to move away from that with every album almost, you know. And I think the rhythmic thing is, I mean, it's interesting and important to some degree, but if you can't capture me with, like, if every song sounds the same, yeah. After a while, it's like, what's, I don't care if you're playing a, a goofy, like, polyrhythm on the drums if it's boring i don't care but i think i think with colony and clayman like they they still have hooks enough oh, most sure. of the songs yeah, yeah. are still hooky enough that there's memorable moments and things oh, yeah. but i think you're I speaking more sugar. on sugar yeah. yeah you know just a thought we're talking about how inflames sort of became americanized and how that's been really very successful them it's funny because we're speaking about this from an american perspective so yeah. imagine this you know, we were talking earlier about how everybody in Europe is crazy for American style metal. Yeah. So just imagine this band comes over here and they're crazy about all this music. And so they start, you know, adopting this and then go back home and then everybody else is crazy about it. It's got to be an interesting, like, I would be interested in hear what, you know, somebody with a European perspective would, would say of yeah. Inflames new, new route. It's, it's like the grass is greener scenario. Yeah. And I <laughs> wonder, I, I wonder, I mean, I feel like they've won some Swedish Grammys and things like that. And they've yeah, got pretty sure they have. You know, acceptance yeah. in that sort of standpoint. So, and, and hey, like we said, more power to them. You know, I mean, there's. There, if you can make I, a I don't think out it, of it. Then yeah. I don't think at the end of the day, I always say like, oh, in flames is effing terrible. Like, there's nothing redeemable no. about them. It's no, just, they've just it's just different. wandered out of my yeah. zone at this point. Yeah, you know, and I think like uh, a song like Bullet Ride, which we just ended the set with, is is kind of a, an, an example of a late masterpiece of of that band. Yes. You know, I mean, it's definitely. To me, it's the highlight of Clayman. I think that you, you argue the same. I, you know, between Swim and Bullet Ride, like the intro on Swim is amazing too. But Bullet Ride, it's like the album starts out saying, "I have something to say, and I gotta tell you right now." Yeah, I raped your mother today. <laughs> and it doesn't matter much to me as long as she's dead. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> <laughs> that's morbid. Sorry, no, that's that's Misfits lyrics, dude. Come on. <laughs> and that's uh, you know, like Bullet Ride. I think what I was saying to you before. I, this is like right when I was kind of hosting the furnace and, and stuff like that, which is 
you know, ironic because I followed in the footsteps of Monica's boyfriend hosting this metal show that, yeah. <laughs> that like, you know, we've so often referred to. And Mark used to come and do some guest DJing on there as well. So um, we just didn't know Monica at the time because you were, you were not in the, yeah. in the realm yet. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> you were selling Girl Scout cookies somewhere, <laughs> you know, yeah, and r- ruling with Megadeth. But, uh, yeah, coming out, you know, Bullet Ride, the way that it comes out of the solo, and, and it's almost like a, a kind of a rhythmic wrapped kind of like harsh vocal line, but it emerges really well. It's, it's a nice moment for sure. Um, but then, you know, we're, we're going to sort of end things tonight with uh, a nod to, to what happens after Clayman. Um, a better nod, I would say. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's an acknowledgement of, of what happens beyond. And, and certainly we all said we all own Reroute to Remain. For, for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I haven't sold it, you know, so... Yeah. Um, well, the thing is that that record was, like, really... I think they, they started to hit, like, a, a glut mm-hmm. to where everything was, like, overproduced. This is stripped yes. down. That's um, going back to a lot of the um, kind of ideas they had in the earlier records, but even more simplified and straightforward approach. And this is an example, I think, of uh, Andrew's vocals that he's successfully doing, you know like more melodic thing with the, the harsher and it works mm-hmm. and it's not like the you know the hiding in the bush crying you know weak goth guy vocal like he ends up doing later on yeah there's some of it in there but <clears throat> there is but it's not that, you know and it's enough to be too. respectable and you've got your yeah. standard kind of like moonshield type template with like dawn of a new day which is kind yeah. of their like you know catchy yeah. like mellow kind of song and stuff and yeah i think trigger was a big song off this record yeah so um yeah so i mean there's there's things that you know work on this record certainly but it's know? kind of a guilty pleasure record actually yeah you know <laughs> and again like like we said we would never fault these guys for for what they've kind of done beyond but it's just sort of drifts off our radar screen sure. you know yeah. so uh but it's a kind of a good way to close things out, you know. Uh, and so, Monica, we appreciate you uh, coming in and and, and thank you throwing your, your perspective. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's always it's always neat to get a, a generational sort of outlook on this. Um, but uh, yeah, let us know what you thought. You know, if this is if we captured some of the songs that you liked, or maybe you have some controversial thoughts on In Flames, like like maybe you know. Uh, you're a closet. If you think Come Clarity is the maybe best record, yeah, ever. maybe maybe <laughs> you you hate Subterranean and Jester Race, but you love Come Clarity. You know, let us know why, I guess. But uh, maybe <laughs> or don't. Maybe <laughs> maybe don't. Actually, just keep the. Uh, but yeah, shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail dot com. Check us out on Facebook, Mark and Jason. Uh, go to the website requiempodcast dot com where you can be a donator uh, to our executive, executive producer. Yeah, which is the credit you can put on your resume, and which that, actually some. Have, have said, have said they're, they're putting on the resume, yes. and, it, and you're permanently on our website as the executive producer whenever that episode ever comes mm-hmm. up. So that's that's a something to be proud of, uh, you know. Especially as the summer months approach, and you, you're looking to celebrate something. That's that's a good help thing celebrate metal. Yeah, like help celebrate metal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and also check us out on iTunes. Leave us a comment. We we love getting star ratings and all that kind of good stuff. So, but um, yeah, it's been fun. So for uh, In Flames and Reroute to Remain, this is Drifter. Uh, we're going to end with, I am Jason. I am Mark. I am Monica. Thank you.